0: Welcome to Talk That Talk. We have the unfiltered, unscripted, uncomfortable conversations about band, HBCU band culture, music, education, and more. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and also find us on all social media networks at Real Talk That Talk. And now, let's start the show. All right, let's go ahead and get this thing started. So you already know how it is. We are unfiltered, unscripted. We're gonna have the uncomfortable conversations that some people just refuse to have. And so we got to get to that first topic. So Let's go ahead and pull up that first topic. Got to get to my screen there. All right, there we go. So the first topic for for tonight, I'm going to start off a little light, okay? So we always talking about or we're always talking about the culture, the culture, the culture, right? And so the first topic that I'm going to ask is, can we actually define the culture? Can we define the HBCU band culture? Uh I'm going to go ahead and start from our right Rick, you got it.
1: I don't I think that's a mistake, man. I think it's a mistake to try to define it. I think we all the people that have been in it no it's like one of those if you know you know type situations
0: well hold up hold right. up let me let me give a little bit more context right mm-hmm. i'm not just specifically talking about
1: marching band right no, I,
2: that's what i mean that's okay good I, mean.
1: go go I was gonna, i was gonna give a couple of examples what the swat calls crabbing we didn't use those words in the mead we had our rookie class i got my rookie brothers and rookie sisters um we all were consistent. We had to wear the white shirt and the black shorts and all that stuff on freshman year. Like a lot of those things, I think that's just as much as part of the culture as showing up to win ensemble and playing Ascension every damn year, you know, playing grade three music in college. So while, you know, that's why I say, I don't think it's, I think if you know, you know, if I tell somebody that went to an HBCU my my rookie year, I had to wear white and black. They know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, if you went to the if you are at any HBCU, there are certain things we all play net, every u- university got a version of net, you know, even though North State started. Um, so yeah, um I, I think that the culture itself doesn't need to be defined. I think we just all exist in it, and I think that overall, I think that's the reason why our culture gets jacked so much, is because so many people have access to what we do, you know what I'm saying? Like it that's one thing I love about the Legion, man. Like, you know, I had my experiences in the Legion, both good and bad, but one thing I can say about the Legion is the Legion will always be the Legion, no matter what. You know, 20 years from now, 20 years back when I was in the band, the Legion is the Legion. The only thing that changed with the way of the uniform. So I think to define the culture, it's tradition, it's love, uh, it's appreciation for good music, um in some instances depending on what school you go to it's good musicianship um and overall this i think the biggest thing is the relationships that you build in these bands me you see we all march together so and to this day 20 years later we still good friends we talk all the time i get a good arrangement i shoot it to see if we see Take us up bro yeah. <laughs> you, know you going to hear this Right. Hey,
3: hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, that, I think that definitely, man, I want to be short on that. I think that to define the culture, um, I think it's easy, but I think we need to protect it. So, so I think that in general, I think band, black band culture in particular is love, uh, appreciation for good music and relationships that you build, man, and having your little traditions, depending on what band you're in. That's it for me. All
0: right. Maya, can you define the HBCU band culture?
2: Uh, I mean, I agree with it. I, don't I think it, it's something that is very hard to define. Um, whether we're talking about just uh, hold, on,
0: hold on, hold on, hold on. Turn your uh speaker down just a little bit. Is that better? Yeah, that's better. You got it.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah, I was saying, like, I, I did it do it again?
0: Yeah, it did. A little bit.
2: What about now? Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, we good. We good.
2: All right. okay, yeah. Well, I agree. Like, I think that it's something that is hard to define. Um, if we're talking about HBCU culture, just HBCUs in general, I think that it's. I think it's boisterous. I think that it's protection. I think that it's rich. I think that it's entertaining. And I think that it just sums up the black experience as a whole, whether we're talking about music, whether we're talking about entertainment, I just think it is, blacks in general and our livelihood, we're prevalent, we very much demand a presence. But like also like Brandy was saying, like, it's very easy for our existence to be uh, stolen or taken and, and broken apart and broken down. So, just us in our daily lives, us in general. So, but I mean, in general, I mean, that, that takes that a whole different way. But in, in essence, it, it's historic. It, it, it's just, if you know, you know. I mean, like, I, I, we can take that a bunch of different ways. But if you know, you know, and if you're, if you are, it's an honor to be a part of it.
1: All right.
0: Quan, can you define the HBCU band culture?
3: Uh, yes, and no. I mean, of course, it's subjective pending your experience. Um, I I did appreciate Rick's um correlation between uh the same process but different terminology. Uh, I think we all have experienced that, regardless if you're a crab, uh, rookie, you know, we understand about upper class was our whole heads, like we understand that. Um, now I must say though, for the black college students or HBCU band coaches, I think you can actually—it's it's a beautiful place to find your find yourself while you're actually redefining who you want to be. If that makes sense. Um, the relationships, of course. But uh, if I had to sum it up, it's, it's something about the HBCU about like the ancestral a spiritual experience like that you cannot explain. When you look at those halls of academia from some universities in the areas being slave plantations, the places where we're becoming one percenters of doctors is does something for you. Um and specifically for you know wherever was always taught you know you don't walk on the grass that means something. Um the you know if you have to opportunity or privilege of pledging like that rich history of lineage, um, that means something. Uh, because the truth is, we, we still suffer from post-traumatic slave syndrome, you know? So having a sense of knowing where your people started something or, or an organization, like that means a lot to us and I always uh, wanting to keep that tradition in a positive manner, as well as recreating it and getting better. I would define it as the uh, HBCU college experience and, and culture. All
4: right,
0: Seabra, can you define the HBCU band culture?
4: That's a tough question. Um, when I think about trying to define a culture, I'm trying to think of what is common amongst every HBCU band program. And if I have to say what's different about what we do versus what other cultures may do, is using band as a true life educational technique or tool. Meaning, good band, bad band, big band, small band, we learn a lot of the same lessons in band. You learn how to be responsible in band. You learn how to be on time in band. You learn how to step out of your comfort zone in band when you don't really like to dance and they put you on front. I learned leadership in band. Y'all too know my story. I was thrown in that position, nobody. I was expecting it, here. it's yours, take it and go with it. And guess what? It was supposed to be Rick's. But guess what? I had to figure it out on the fly, but I cannot replace those lessons. And everywhere that I go uh, in my personal life, a business life, I meet leaders that were made in band. Like, oh, you, you march with such and such. And I can, I can see it all over them when they start to speak, when they start to present. We know how to fake it to make it. I have never taken a job that wasn't completely over my head. I'll never know what I'm doing. I'll figure it out. But I learned that in vain. <laughs> Um, so I think that that is what I would say is HBCU band culture. That goes for the jazz programs. That goes for the wind ensemble. You learn so many life lessons through the things you have to through or learn in band that you carry through the rest of your life.
0: Okay, so very, very good answers from everybody, right? And so there is a follow-up question, right? So we talk about y'all gave some very very great things and and in talking about that i also want to look at the totality of the band culture right and when we look at the comparisons there have been many of us who have said we have left our universities unprepared right so then in your definition of hbcu band culture can we also ask the question have we set the bar too low quan since i saw you smiling have we set the bar too low if and and, and let me kind of give you a little bit more preface to that in a lot of our in a lot of our hbcu band programs our biggest concern is the marching band so, have we set the bar too low? Go on, uh,
3: man. Uh, yes, yes, and no. Um, and I, I'm, I only can speak about my experiences, and I don't want to speak uh, as if I was, a, I know the ins and outs of a collegiate program. So, I'll say yes because. I realize you really become a better musician and teacher and constantly like that is that is your real like you get to teach when it comes to marching band, you're there to entertain. And now that I've gotten older and now that I'm a band director, I, I see the plight of, quote unquote, Dr. Lee from Drumline. like I understand his his, his fight. Um. And and it's an unfortunate dichotomy, but when it comes to, like, HBCUs and, like, those music departments, a lot of the time they're they're trying to build a person. And sometimes you miss the mark on the musicianship. And then you hope and pray that the instruction that you invested into that student, like y'all were saying earlier uh, uh, backstage, has like enough with it to be like, I'm going to seek this knowledge wherever I can find it. And we don't get it, you know, kind of like doing those uh, swaddling and coddling days at the HBCU because they're focused on making the person better. So the question for me is like, really what bar are you trying to meet? Because if you're trying to build better, Human beings for the world. I think we exceed that expectation every time. But if you're speaking about purely from a musician standpoint, what well, we do, Mr. Martin, I can speak for that myself. Y'all share that for your experiences, and then I see what's transpiring right now as we see fit. Um, so that question, I hate to ask you a question with a question, but what bar are we? Tr- what bar are we really trying to 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 make?
4: That's a good question. I will add to that. You have to figure out how to balance professionalism versus what is Black culture and that's family. So when you are being strictly professional, uh, there is no personal relationships. I have been in a supervisory role for over 10 years now. My staff have a relationship with policy right? But in, in that HBCU culture, because we're family, it's hard for you to be as cutthroat as the professional world is, right? And so in other cultures, as you're saying, Julian, you either make the bar, or you don't. you out of school. In HBCU culture, I'm going to see you graduate. I'm going to get you through. I got bank records that used to let kids live at their house. You know this, Julian. Used to let them move into their own personal homes. So it's hard to have that level of accountability that you speak of as far as meeting the musicianship bar. The other side of that is being able to create a competitive environment. Because really, the bar of the other schools is, is the other kids. If I come in as a freshman, and I'm in the top 10% of my section, playing-wise, it's kind of hard for you to push me. If I come in as a freshman. And my applied teacher tells me to play uh, a minor scale, and I play all three versions of that minor scale. He says, Oh, no, freshman only play a natural version. You think I'm going to the practice room after that? I'm already two years ahead of your As opposed to saying, See, but I'm glad you can do that. Let's move on to something else. Let's talk about these modes. Let's do You know, that's not what I got. What I got was, Oh, no, you're a freshman. You just play a natural version. Well, I've been playing all three versions since the 10th grade. My band director in high school happened to be obsessed with scales. Thank Lord. Um, so, so it's it's kind of hard to say. I 100% agree with Quan. We are producing amazing individuals. As I just said, Dan has taught people so much about life and allowed us to grow as individuals so much. We have not been able to successfully cre- create that environment of competition. Um, the standard is set by a couple of different things. vendor has got a lot of pressure on them to put out a product on Saturday. So you so gotta you balance. balance. Do I want these kids to grow? Or do I need to get this product right in five days? Because if I'm challenging my kids, the product ain't always gonna be right. We've all seen that. That solo you play for a festival won't write that first week. But guess what? I gotta put a show out here on Saturday. So what am I doing? I'm coming to the barrel. I'm saying you can't play that run unless Johnny it. On- you play every other note, you play every other note and we got to run, as opposed to saying the standard is going to run, son. So you got to find that balance as well, because administrations want to ban out there on that field. They don't really care about who the best player in the world is. They don't care about who's sitting first at these conferences. They don't care about nothing. They don't know nothing about that. What they know is how many tubers you got out there in the field, big horns, ooh, the band look big because you got 30 tubers, and how loud... Fast or high, you can play. Those are the I want loud. I want fast notes, or I want high, and I'm happy. All right,
0: cool. Uh, Rick, have we set the bar too low?
1: I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but yes. There, uh, like I. Uh, this question is not about great people. This question is about preparedness when you go out into the market, in my opinion. But I don't think it starts at the university level. I think it starts at the secondary level. If you if I'm a university director and the only students I have to choose from is students that only know four to twelve major scales and didn't have, you know, that band ready that Steve had growing up. Hey, that and that's the people I have to choose from. You know, it's a reason why these small bands exist because all the talent goes to the big bands, you know? So if I'm i a prime example, Elizabeth City, Juliet's one hell of a teacher, you know? But in that area, if I'm a kid in Chesapeake, I'm going to Norfolk, you know? I'm going to, to uh, A&T, you know, one of the big bands in the area, especially if I'm super talented. So you have a teacher like that who's an exceptional teacher who has to, you know, make magic out of, out of. I don't, I don't want to say nothing. I mean, obviously she has some talent because she's able to put a band on the field, but I guarantee you what it sounds like at the beginning of the week at her school is different than what it sounds like at one of the big, bigger schools. Drink some water. So I think that secondary schools um, have to do a better job of preparing students for the next level. That's the first part. The second part is once we get these Great people and you know, or these projects to the university level, it's okay to push people. And I think that's the the part that we miss, but it's two parts. I always criticize teachers, but I know for a fact that there was a lot of people around us when we were in school that just weren't good enough to be there, and I think that's the problem that we don't want to say that out loud. You know, we want to build good people, we want to build good character. At the at the expense of our band. I promise you, if you can't play them scales, you ain't going to UT. They can you can be a great person on you all you want, or I can want to build you, but if you can't do what I need you to do to be able to job, you're not going there. And I think that's the it, you know, that's the second part is that teachers have to teach better, but students have to be willing to be a part of a rigorous program. If you're taking a music major's low, you're taking on average 20 credits a semester and that 20 credits is 10 classes. I know because we did it almost every semester at North. So the average student who's taking two or three credits for 12, you know, or two or three classes for 12 credits, we're taking 10 classes. And the rigor of that program, it, it, you either can keep up with it or you can't. And I think that that's a conversation that's not had enough. We have to, the reason why black people of the past flourished is because they understood that the odds were against them and they had to be better in order to live up to those to those standards i did a lot of research when i first started this doctorate program on early hbcu band programs hbcus exist because black folks couldn't go nowhere else so all the exceptional black talent was at these universities and there's a reason why back in those days norfolk was playing lincolnshire posing you know what i'm saying like i've heard the the comments about how mr fierce took the band to to um to ima and play lincoln uh, lincolnshire posy we wouldn't even glance at that music a lot of people don't even know what that is at the hbcu band level you know what i'm saying and i think that's the problem is that we have to have a standard that is high as a as a college slash university level group if you're in a, at a in a win ensemble in college and you're playing anything by robert w smith Then you should go up to your band director and say, why are we playing this? Why are we not playing music that is more challenging to put us at a level that we should be? Colleges should be playing grade six music. And then you ask the question, Julian, just to answer your question um, about marching bands. The reason why marching bands are so important is because it's the cash cow. That's where all the money is. They bring the money into the music programs, usually at these levels. The most money comes in through the marching band. The most students come in through the marching band. Uh, when I was at PV, we staffed the whole music department, <laughs> like every ensemble. All right. There was no private lesson. I mean, a couple of them did, but there was not a large presence of private lesson teachers having to go recruit. Why? Because they knew every year we were bringing 120 freshmen in the door. So I think that there's a like Seabren said, there's a large weight on the shoulders of college directors. You know, I say this all the time, I'm associate director of my band only about 20% of what I do is music, (laughs) 20, maybe even less than that. Most of it is making sure the band's in the right spot, starting on time, have food at the game, have water, make sure that the color guard has the American flag. So when we play the national anthem, I don't get an email that next day saying why wasn't the flag on the field. That's my job as a college director, not, you know, creating this great art 24 seven, like that just, that just doesn't happen. So, I Think, like Sebron said, that it is many and Quan, there's many facets to the question. But yes, we have show, set the bar low. And in order for our universities to actually become relevant in the music education conversation, we're going to have to set a new standard where our students understand, like Quan said, that musicianship is built in the wind ensemble, not playing Sweet Love in the March Band. Mm. Okay sweet love oh my god I and look that's like it's just burnt in my memory man We yeah. also damn well i like but hey i
0: like sweet love so i hey. did too
1: i ain't gonna lie yeah, yeah whatever
0: well I, I i ain't we don't get on that. maya <laughs> have we set the bar too low
2: <laughs> um i mean yeah and i think without having to take away from all the value that you all have provided thus far i mean Essentially, I think the question has been answered time and time again, but what I will add is I think that it's been set too low because it, at the end of the day, it's accepted, right? So we talk about um, marching band or, or that being the holy grail or the number one based off of entertainment value or whatever the case may be. But I think that that goes to what we've talked about in, in past weeks. If we attribute the thought of Okay, so my job is to put out a show on Saturday. If I don't do that, what happens? What are the true repercussions, right? The people from YouTube University, what? They're going to go and post their bad comments. We may get yelled at when we get back in the van hall. Um, uh, uh, The executive leaderships or whoever, they may send an email, this sat third. But third, but then what? We back to it, it's the the same cycle over and over and over again. But in regards to what you were saying in terms of not being prepared, that same unprepared nature begins to trickle through and through and through, right? So I went through my college years, I was not prepared to be able to mesh or to be able to teach the next generation. So when I do become a band director of the next generation or whomever, when I become a, a music educator, the lackluster or or inability to be able to teach or be able to um, revolutionize the, the, the music nature the in, in general it just becomes to, to have a cycle over and over and over again so now we're not being pushed to the next level instead of progressing we're regressing because at the end of the day there's no additional um, the education piece is not there the awareness is not there the willingness is not there the heart is not there and again that's just going to keep keep us on the same playing field. So, I mean, I think that that just kind of just sums up, again, what we've been talking about and what you all have already added.
4: All right. Cool.
0: Cool. Some Very good responses on that. Um, Yeah, I I, I have nothing to add. You got something?
1: Yeah, think about this. Think about it like this, bro, because this question is interesting. Majority of the black doctors in the country come from where? HBCUs. Majority of black engineers come from where? HBCUs. Obviously, there's a standard on these universities. So why is that standard different for them to be able to save somebody's life and do a job that's, in my opinion, a lot harder than playing a concert b flat? You know, why is it acceptable at the HBCU level to have a, a, a program of rigor there? But with what we do, we can play grade four music and grade three music and be satisfied with that. Like that, I think that's, I, I, I really question that and I, it's a challenge for me because there is so much black excellence on the HBCU level. Prairie View is an agriculture and mechanical university. You know, like they have so many great programs on that campus. The, the English building was brand new when I went there. The music building was the, one of the oldest buildings on campus. Still so in. I think that raises another I think that's a, raises another question, which is investment. Is it the right investment? Well, I'm going to throw millions of dollars at the marching band. But the fact of the matter is the students that leave there, some of them will do marching band for the rest of their life, man. That's, that'll be their career. You know, and that's fine. You know, I, I didn't want that. But I just think it's challenging for me to understand, like, Norfolk State, the nursing program. We know how massive that nursing program is. They built a whole brand new building for them on campus. You know what I'm saying? So that program's a great program. And so many nurses in Virginia come from that program. Why can't the same investment be made in the Legion who has the oldest building on campus? But
3: but, but, I, but I think you kind of answered that question earlier, Rick. Like, unfortunately, they look at musicians and, and dancers. They look at us. We're merely entertainment. You know, and, and that's that's the unfortunate thing. Uh, and it's kind of like that stepchild to be like, oh, come come here and dance for me. Dance for Auntie. Dance for Auntie. And if we dance for from now go to bed, you know, and that's unfortunate how, how they treat us. They treat us like we're magicians instead of musicians like they don't see, you know, you know, the hours and hours of, of practicing this particular craft for a seven minute, eight minute show. You've possibly put in 40 hours for eight minutes, you know. Um, and they don't they don't get that and they don't understand that. So, you know, and I think that's not just that's a lot of HBCUs. I think one of the uh you like premier HBCUs for music programs at that time, I think was Howard when like Donnie Hathaway and them, they were there. Yeah, yes, yeah, but but outside yeah. of that, like what what music program was just like awesome. I mean, of course, they say back in the day, Dillard for their jazz program, but
1: FAMU, Southern, Mississippi Valley, right, was right, right. A powerhouse for a long time. Core style HBCU band. A lot of people didn't right. know that played grade six music. There were a lot of programs, bro. Yeah. I think that's the problem. We sell ourselves short. The way our programs sound like right now are completely different than what they used to be. And, then and you can go back and, Oh, go ahead, bro. I no, don't, I don't no, no,
3: no. You're fine. And but, but I think that's that's some of the problem because everybody can, you know, uh, give praises you know, to Dr. Greggs, to Dr. Sanford's, and those people. But a lot of those legends, unfortunately, are passing. And then what those individuals that took from them, we've turned it and honestly pimped it, and then put it on social media, so people. Really don't know and understand those people's uh, ideologies and precepts because it's all about, like we say, it's about playing fast, playing high, getting your numbers up and who, you know, who has the most clout, like not being ugly. You have some band directors are getting jobs off of clout. Absolutely. Not even not even experiences on their resume. How many many times
0: you can get your camp, your face in the camera?
3: I mean, so like when when you when you think about all that, I mean, I agree with selling ourselves sharp, but people like you and I and, and the people that have these conversations, we're the weird ones. We're like, we're the haters. We're the ones that that, you know, that nah, bro, they, they just hating. We're the ones that's looking stupid, you know, but I mean, Noah did, too, until it started raining. I mean, and eventually I think that's what's going to end up happening again. But, you yeah. know.
4: I guess my question would be, what's the solution? Because we've been in this cycle for a long time. The only thing I can think of is you finally get a team of like-minded individuals at one university. But then that one university can only affect an entire culture so much. Yeah. Well, but I'm talking about an entire team of like-minded individuals, not just that one professor that's going hard and paint Because what happens, they do really amazing for two years and then they get burnt out. I watched yeah. it happen in North. Yeah. But I would also... Uh, and,
0: and, and let me just this is just my thought. If you put it that way, I would also say that we got to stop giving a voice to the, to the people who don't matter. Too many people who don't have any much investment in, in this and in stock in this have the biggest voices. And we've had this conversation on the show before. If you ain't never marched the lick or picked up a horn or even graduated with a music education degree then you should. no one should be taking advice from them saying that this sounds good or this sounds bad. I'm sorry. I mean, you can have a personal opinion, but you have no stock truly invested. You ain't seen a, a concert hall and sat in the seat. You can't play a B-flat. You ain't seen a field. But yet we let these people have the biggest voices.
1: But you can't even say that, Julie, because there's a lot of music majors out here that if you spelled the word T-I-M-B-R-E, the first thing they're gonna say out of their mouth is Timbre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're music and they're music majors. That's true. Like we this is man, this is why this question is crucial, man. I, I want to go back to what Sieber said, which is the solution. The solution is stop saying that something that sounds good is that whiteness, which is what we heard all the time at Prairie View. Sounding good is not just specifically white. And that's the problem with our community anything that goes against the mold the band that doesn't sound southern is white timber jordan you stupid timber (laughs) like like that's where we are man anything that goes outside of the norm is considered to either be white or 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 less than like Seymour just said like we can't we can't get out of our own way to even get better Like Norfolk, Norfolk went down there and put foots in everybody when it came to technique and sound. I wish the show was a little more exciting, but Norfolk went down there and made a statement. We are better than you. We play better than you. Our drum line will play circles around you. Our dancers dance with technique. Meet us on the 50. We used to remember we used to say that all the time in Norfolk when we were in the band. Right. I'd like to make an announcement that I would like the trombones to meet me on the 50s. That's all have a nice day like that uh, that competitive inertia doesn't exist anymore it's it, we either sound like southern or you're not good and i hate to keep giving them so much energy but the fact of the matter is they are just the trendsetters in hbcu parent right now so to answer seabro's question the first thing is get out of our own way secondly recognize what you don't know i know i don't know everything about music but i constantly try to educate myself and become smarter in our field and more um informed on like new technologies and stuff that are gonna help me become a better teacher. And that same thing needs to happen with HBCU band. Why the hell are we doing a dance routine uh, in every show? And the crowd just be sitting there like, oh here we go with this again. Let's go out there and coon. Or you go out there and you go to a uh the play the University of Illinois or Nebraska or whatever. And you go out there and you do the dance routine oh look at them dance here we go <laughs> that's the part of the show to get the most the most credit right. are, you, are you saying are you saying you
0: don't like dance routines yes that's exactly oh. what i'm
1: saying <laughs> oh. My
4: let me you're let me offer this culture now you're going against the culture let oh. me offer this rick i think that the answer might be even more fundamental, more basic or fundamental than that yeah i think the number one step is Finding people who give a damn about the kids. True. Mm. Most of it is just people just checking the box.
1: Yep. Yeah. Let me get this check, down. You're
4: not really here for the student.
1: Yeah.
4: You're here for the yeah. check. Yeah. And if you really cared about the kid, because let me ask you this. Are we putting out individuals to have careers in music, or are we putting out band directors? Because a band director ain't the only thing you can do with a music education degree. Yeah. We got people who are, I got, and you know, Norfolk has a rich tradition in growing student arrangers. I will say that's something we're really good at, but guess what? It takes me forever to convince a kid that there's no such thing as a marching band arranger that you can go out here and make a career in Broadway because these cats are just reading charts. they nobody listening to this stuff. They showing up to rehearsal the day before the gig and reading a chart. Well, guess what? Somebody got a contract to write that chart. Go to Vegas and be a musician and think you're going to go down there and you can't read. Because there ain't nobody giving you no music to tell you to listen to it and learn it. Go to Tennessee and try that. But we don't teach our students that that's a career path. We teach marching band, band directors. You can be a band director, you get a degree, you go get you a band, and that's what you do. And there are so many different avenues you can go and so much money out here that you can be getting but all we teach is go get you a band. We don't really care enough about the students to grow them and give them options and say, hey, you are capable of doing X, Y, and Z, you have options. We don't, eh. yeah. Yeah.
1: Now that's real, bro. I ain't yep. That's real. That was
0: that was a perfect way to uh shut that one down. I, hey I that was real. <laughs> hey, <boy. laughs> hey. Ain't nothing I can say on that one. So let's keep it going. Welcome, everybody. If you're just joining us, welcome, everybody, to Talk That Talk, where we have unscripted, unfiltered, uncomfortable conversations about music, education, band, HBCU band culture, and more. Please make sure that you subscribe to the channel. All right. So go ahead and subscribe. And if you're in here right now, if you've stepped in here, smash that like button. It don't take long to click a like button. All you gotta do is walk in, click the like button. There's a lot of people who's watching on Facebook right now. There's a couple of people who's watching on YouTube. Go yeah. ahead and smash the like button while you are here. All my right, you get these on, likes man. up. Get these likes up.
1: What, my, what you What's sipping on? Up? What am I sipping on over there? What's in that little cup over there by that little <laughs> tree? <laughs> That's my <what laughs> that. <laughs> so got, that, got drink. Finest, <laughs> that finest water. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I got. I I
0: I got some drink waiting for me on deck. Dude. I got that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but let's move on to our next topic. So um something was brought up to me today, which was a continuation of a conversation that we had, and I'm gonna have to say it. And you know, I don't I don't really care. So a couple of years back, there was a video that surfaced of a rehearsal and uh bethune cookman's uh band room and and shout out to this brother don't get me wrong he's producing a hell of a product but donovan wells was cussing the hell out of a trumpet player and and it was wind ensemble and it was wind ensemble, <laughs> and it actually brought me to a, a thought that i had of some experiences I'd, that I'd had in the past or at least even seen. And one of the conversations that we've I've had with a lot of people is the fact that we were taught in a very interesting way, and especially in HBCU band culture. And I'm I'm not going to speak for the predominantly white institution because I don't know. But I know in HBCU band culture, it's been a very slave-like militaristic mentality when it comes to how we deal with our students so my question on the floor my next question is have directors gone too far have direction directors gone too far zebra you on mute bro i don't know if you're trying to talk or not
4: yeah i was Um... I think it goes back to something I said earlier. I think it's about professionalism. I don't think we take a professional approach. I don't think we think we're like professors. It's, a, it's almost too much family. Your cousin, your uncle, can cuss you out. You can't have a job. Your boss can reprimand you. He can't cuss you out. It's a it's a big difference. Um, and when we think about accountability from a family standpoint, you know, we grew up, you're getting spanked. I'm, I, and so now I'm proverbially spanking you. Um, it's just not a professional atmosphere and it would address some of the issues from the last topic. If we were more professional, we could kind of set the bar a little higher. We can set that standard because it is a relationship with the standard and not necessarily a personal relationship. Like I said, my staff have a relationship with policy. They don't necessarily have a relationship with me. So when I bring you in to reprimand you, I'm reprimanding you based off of a policy. Here's the black and white. Here's what it says you don't do. Here's what you did. Here's the consequence. Not, I don't like you. I hate your attitude. So I can't, I've been waiting to write you up. No, um, and we don't have that that standard. We got that family thing going on, which can be good and bad. And that's one of the negatives to that is that family atmosphere creates that uncle, auntie, cousin, Them. I'm gonna cuss you out because I love you. Mentality.
0: All right. Have directors gone too far, Maya. Now, Maya, for you, now we can talk band director, but we can also talk dance director too. Because I have seen some dance directors hitting the straight pledge on, on a lot of these, <laughs> a lot of these young ladies. So have directors gone too far. That's all. <laughs>
2: That's a hard one because what do I talk so yes and no. I say yes because true. We're talking about professionalism, we're talking about holding ourselves and our programs to a particular standard. And does cussing and cussing and whatever does that align with that? No. However. Well, it's a couple of different ways I want to take it. So we've seen videos of the same video. We've seen others of like we've even seen it in person, getting upset, yelling, screaming, whatever the case may be. We've also seen the whites or, you know, at PWIs or whatever the case may be at basketball games, coaches throwing the chair across the way, across the, uh, the middle of the court or, you know, breaking, breaking clipboards in half and doing the same thing. And it's just, oh, he's passionate. So is that same passion, do we still get that same recollection or that same acknowledgement because we're black or because the way in which we do it? I think that that's the, I mean, I get it. So just because we're able to, does that mean that it's the right, is it right? Not necessarily, no, but is it part? I mean, honestly, we can just say, is it part of our culture? From what we've known thus far, what we've been bred against, and what we um, have constructed the culture to be thus far, that is just one of those things that kind of goes hand in hand with it. dance directors, too. And I can even say I'm i am guilty. When I was captain, there would be times where shit just wasn't right, and you're going to hear about it. You're going to hear my mouth. Like, I'm going to be cordial, but sometimes stuff comes out. Just like we're on here, we get passionate, you know, a cuss word, whatever may slip out. Is it right? No. Is it? Am I I your mother? No. Does my mama talk to me like that? Not necessarily in my household, but to some it's second nature. So they really don't understand the right or wrong from it or it doesn't affect them in the same way. So there's so many different pieces to this. And to say that someone's gone too far, I think that there are times where you can go too far, but And then again, it's hard for me to say, well, it's all in love. It's all in trying to get the show done. It's all in this, that, and the third. It's all in passion, but that still doesn't make it right. So I don't know if I can say yes or no. It just is. Like, I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't, that's when I honestly don't know. I mean, I guess if I had to answer, I could say yes, we've gone too far. But if we're gonna say that, then we should hold that same standard to all bands, to all programs, to all um, extracurricular activities, and everyone should have that same um, repercussions if necessary, but we know that that's not going to happen. So that's what makes it a hard conversation to have because I would like to say for my people, don't treat me like that, but also know in the workplace that is to be expected if my whomever yeah it's not like i can go to hr and be like hey man they cussed me out it's gonna be like okay and so what my hand th- their hand is in, in the likelihood of whomever probably cussed me out or whatever so it's just an, it's another one of those things another ongoing cycle
0: okay rick have directors
1: gone too far Boo kitty boo boo kitty. I was a perfect band director, was I? I ain't I ain't yell, I ain't scream, I ain't do none of that, did I? I know I did. That's not <laughs>
0: I've never done that to
1: anybody. You were very
2: fair, Brownie. There we go. But
1: my th- like my thing was this, like, and I used to tell the band all the time, I know they got tired of hearing it, but like I purposely was stop like really try to stop cussing because I didn't like that dynamic that I had with the band. And I would say that all the time. I would even catch myself most of the time. If somebody really made me upset, I'm sorry, it was coming. And then I would say what I had to say and then I would get out of it. But one thing, I think Maya hit it on the head and Maya, like just a brilliant answer. It's a shame y'all, I'm ashamed I'm a to say what I'm about to say y'all to be honest. I changed completely, Maya. I got rid of all that cussing and stuff when I came to UConn. I haven't cussed. I haven't done any of that in about five or six years, Maya, in band. And and I hate, like I said, I'm ashamed to say it because of what Stephen was saying. I understood that there was a level of band here that was acceptable at HBCUs that is not acceptable here. And that makes me very sad because I I allowed myself to treat my own people a certain way and then come to a white institution and completely act like a professional. So I think that's the part. I think because of the relationships, like Sebram was saying, it creates an environment where you're not just a band director. You're also mom and dad away from home. You're also the school counselor when something's going wrong. You're also the police officer when you got to break a fight up and a dude get his jaw broken. You know what I'm saying? Or you know something like that. Like, That's your responsibility as an HBCU director. That is not the relationship I have with my students here. My relationship here with my students is strictly teach marching band, teach one ensemble, teach uh, whatever other classes that I teach and go home. These students do not need me to be their mother and father because they got a mother and father that paid 30, $40,000. For them to be able to go to the institution that they go to whereas with an hbcu student it ain't no telling you know we got a lot of wealthy uh african-american kids that go to hbcu just because they want that experience but there's also that kid and you know we all know these that kid that one kid that's homeless but still in school or that kid that comes from a broken household but wants to do better so i think as band directors at an HBCU level, it's hard not to go too far because you give so much of yourself to ensure the success of your students. Maya tell you, I never went home when I taught at an HBCU before 10, 11 o'clock at night, ever. There was not one night that I left at uh, Prairie View at before 10 o'clock, because an hour after rehearsal, I was making sure all my girls got home So I would not allow my women to walk home by themselves because it's a lot of riffraff out there. And if that was the case, I would make sure they had somebody making sure they got home as dad, or having to deal with specific issues and making sure people aren't doing the wrong thing. Like that's the, I think band directors at the HBCU level are asked to do more than other programs. So it, it becomes stressful. Like Seatmer said, you get burnt out, man. When a student comes into an ensemble ill-prepared and you're playing grade five music, the piece they were playing that he was missing the articulation up was Ride by Samuel Hazel. And there's <laughs> junior and senior bands around this country playing that piece. And in his mind, I'm sure he's like, man, I got all this other stuff on me and this kid decided to come to rehearsal unprepared. I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. <laughs> but my that's the thing. So I think that brings up the second thing I want to say, and I'll get out is... As HBCU students, we have to understand the standard that's been set by our band director and we have to meet that standard every day. There are many instances where a lot of our students think it's okay to show up to rehearsal late or show up to rehearsal without having practiced or show up to rehearsal 10, 15 minutes late, you know, whenever they feel like it, you know, and haven't warmed up. And then they're expected to play ride, which is not an easy piece at a high level. At my institution, if you show up like that, you're going to hear about it just like Maya said. But the expectation is that you don't do that. You know why? Because everybody in the ensemble is going to turn around and go. And that pressure is going to make you not show up and do that again. So once again, I'll say it's not just the band directors. It's the people that go to these institutions and the standard that's been set by the band director and then the student meeting that standard. But no way in hell should a been ready to be cussing at a student. Point blank period.
0: Um before I get to Kwan, it made me think. So you talk about say what?
1: I said, or slapping a student. Or something. Yeah, we're going talk about that.
0: Um <laughs> but before I get to Kwan, um, it just kind of made me think with what you said, kind of goes back to uh one of the things that we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, the expectation should that start? It should start in the secondary programs. Because if the secondary programs are allowing that to happen, then the students come to the programs or the university programs with that same expectation. But here's the other, here's the caveat to that. The caveat that
1: is the face We yeah,
0: <laughs> the caveat to that, in my opinion, the caveat to that, in my opinion, is are these directors who are teaching these kids in these secondary programs coming from these HBCU programs without standards? So the question is, is it a cycle? see it look like you got a lot on your
4: mind? It, am I muted? No. It's a cycle, but I'm going to tell you why it's a cycle. Because we're not professional. Let me ask you, I'm going to use Rick's point from earlier. Rick, what happened to you when you showed up to English class unprepared and you didn't read the chapter? You know what happened? You got an F. How many times have you seen people get an F out of band? You ain't got the yell these kids. It's a college course. You fail them. And the next time they're going to say, I got to have my stuff together. Because when you, how many times have you signed up for a class and they say, oh, you taking some such chemistry? Don't play around with her. She'll fail you. You cussing me out. You slapped me upside the head and you giving me an A. And then I go out here in the workforce and I don't understand this accountability system that we have going on. That's all it is, it's a lack of professionalism. Fail them, set the standard elsewhere. Stop making this a family. Stop being my uncle and be my professor. And my professor is gonna say, you were not prepared for class. There's a requirement for class. This is a lab course. You cannot complete it, you got an F. Not push them through and, and love on them. Well,
1: and playing tests even. This is a class, a lab that requires you to be able to perform at a certain level. So on Fridays, we're having playing exams on this piece of music. If you can't play it, you will receive an F. If you can play it, you will pass. Like, Seaver Man, you speak, you preaching that knowledge today, boy.
2: <laughs>
1: oh,
0: i a soulmate on the show. Oh, Lord. Hold oh, let up. Me, let me move my real quick. All right. There we go. Now, y'all together.
2: So, all right. Okay. This is an interesting one for me because I came from Townview, right? I came strictly from the direction of Dean Hill. I would like to say a legend in his own right. I would like to say a different type of director. I would also like to say, if I'm just being point, if we're just being totally honest, my experience at Townview—how many years yes. did I march at PV? Four I I don't know, fourth. I would like to say the majority of the, I don't wanna say this, this this is is interesting. A lot, some of (laughs) my experience at Town View was higher than my experience or what was called of me at PE. Now, don't do that. Don't don't add insult to injury, now. <laughs> and I mean, I went through one, two. Well, I went through two major band director changes. I went through that transition cycle. I went through three different dance director changes. But if we're talking about that whole cycle or cyclical type of of, of impression, that makes me think who do, who who has the upper hand, or who does it lie on? Does it lie on the kids, or does it lie on the band director? Because, I, or, or is there like a a mesh of the two? But I think
1: Maya, just to respond to that very quickly, I think your situation is very different than anybody on the panel because for almost ten years in a row, academically, Townview was the number one high school in the country. So students, I mean, yeah, 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 So students that came there knew the rigor that would be by a road. landslide.
2: My experience is far superior than. the the norm, So I'm very lucky to have had that. So again, yes, this is coming from a different type of perspective, but even with that, if we're going to cycle it back, how is it like 70-30 band director versus student? Is it 50-50? Is it 40-60? You know, what is it? And then I think that's what we start to derive again. What is the solution once we figure out that one? Or is it even something that can be figured out in general because it is so subjective or potentially so subjective? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I would like to say, listen, if 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 some of these people would have had to go through the things, and not to say that it's not like we was getting our ass whooped, it wasn't nothing like that. But mm-hmm. I've seen people, I've seen kids who had that lackluster didn't really care not motivated who's got the act right really really and it, i don't know if it's i don't know if it was his his style of teaching i don't know if it was just the aura i don't know if it was the legend that, i don't know what it was. but to say like okay yeah you have kid has to come motivated with the willingness not necessarily so because I've seen it with my own eyes that with the right impression, with the right teaching, with the right direction, things can definitely be changed, and you can definitely have a switch of 180. So I mean, again, like most things, it's just something that goes on and on and on. It's different anomalies that go with. And we still haven't got to corn. Dang. Yeah,
0: I, I, I was about to be like, all right, Kwan, you you got it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's cool. Um. I think I think you have to ask yourself or uh, if has band directors gone too far. The first question I was asked, so what, what is that culture at that school uh and, and that program to start with? Um I know for a fact I, I have already had graduated and gone by then, but I'm pretty sure when Rick, when y'all transitioned to PV, y'all possibly had to uh handle some people like say, bro, like you're going you're gonna to shut the fuck up. And this. like, I'm pretty sure. No, you
0: know, I didn't
3: You I didn't may not that. have, but but the, the thing about it, the thing about a core of directors, everybody can't be the bad guy, but everybody has to have the same standpoint. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so Rick might've been an uncle. You might've been an uncle, you know, hey, it's going to be okay. You know, like that. And Rick might've been, man, fuck that, man. Fuck that boy. Come on, man. Like, I, I don't, I don't know how, how it was yeah I, was, you, know like, I said, okay. <laughs> you know what i'm saying so but uh but also there's a, there's a couple of things that that popped up in my mind number one was whatever high school um that student attends when he connects with that director you already start to hear the war stories first of all like you hear the war stories about that section the quote unquote expectations, man, what this crabbing or rookie process is going to be like, you know, so forth and so on. So that's that's number one. Number two, what I I, I never saw the video that you're speaking. of, But I must say this, if if he was getting on the kid and it was that type of environment doesn't make it right. What it does show me that is he has a passion and I don't know if that culture was either established or he was establishing that culture of wind ensemble. But I could kind of honestly, as a director, understand like the why. And then my last point would be. How can I say this? You could get on the player like for for bad mistake or not being prepared, but don't get on the person. So it's, it's, it's a difference between like, hey, I'm checking your lackluster playing or, you know, you know, lack of articulation or whatever the case may be. But I'm not going to belittle you as a human. I think if if that director steps into that realm, yeah, you're going too far. But if I'm just getting on your ass because you know I know that you know you didn't practice, well, yeah, you deserve to be. You know what I'm saying? You deserve to be handled. But it's all in the context of am I belittling you as a human being? And then also how, how much am I actually building you up? Because there is a time in the place where I need to hold your hand and call to you. Then there's another time where it's like, yeah, bro, I'm about to put this foot in your Like we're talking, talking. So I think uh there's different you know, facets and uh scenarios for that. But then like to uh I do want to add to Rick's point. He said when he changed his mindset when he went to UConn, out of HBCU, I think HBCUs is the one place that you can actually be you. So you you will forever have a sense of familiarity because you see yourself in those students as well as you see what you used to be. And then you gotta push them because I know what you're facing and I know what you have to become to even make it in this world. So there's gonna be a sense of you know familiarity. And sometimes you may have to curse that one kid out that came to band practice high. Because you know, bro, you know better than what you're doing. So you're not going to understand Now yeah, I'm going to send you home. I'm going to send your ass home. I'm going to call your mama. And you're going to do these punishments when you come back or whatever the case may be. That's just that's, that's how it is. And, you know, but try to stop cursing as much. I mean, real talk. I'm in a high school. It's like sometimes I got to pull a kid aside and be like, say, fam, blah, say, blah, say, blah, 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 blah. And leave it at that. You said you said that's what you say, right.
0: so, say blase. Yeah, I said
2: that. I exactly. mean, you made a good point. Like, I think that, that is part of the reason why people go to Asian music because it's the one place where we don't have to code shift and code switch We got to code shift and code switch for the rest of our damn lives. Give us one, a little smidge in the time. Where we can really get to the real and really just be cool or figure out what that is to be cool. Just like what we say. My mama made me, Phoebe made me, right? My parents made me or you do know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um while you're developing yourself, there's the one time because you do feel a sense of family, you do still feel, feel a sense of um camaraderie and all of that. So I mean again that goes to that 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 kind of yes and no because mm-hmm. like you said, I mean Ronnie I saw when he said that's one place you could view you. was like, I mean, touche. two shades. So you know that that that's that's hard.
3: I got a, I got a, I got a question for you, Rick. <clears> Though, <throat> and then please excuse me if if it, if it comes like I'm prime, but do you feel that transitioning to UConn as a as a black man that attended an HBCU that graduated from an HBCU, as well as worked and helped build an HBCU band program, number one, did you feel more pressure because and and I'm I can for me when I go into those rounds, I feel like I represent HBCUs. I feel like I represent my race and my community. And we're gonna be a thousand on, on a real talk show. Sometimes you walk into those realms, even when you're with your quote unquote fraternity brothers, they'd be like, "Do you know this X, Y, and Z?" And quote unquote trying to test your expertise. Did you feel that going into UConn? And also, did that kind of like made you be like, at all times, I have to be professional, because if I mess up, it may halt or hinder another person's opportunity, a minority at this institution later.
1: Uh, Short answer to your question, man, yes. I felt that. I still feel that today. Um, I question when I first got there, man. I had a I was on a mission because I knew my ultimate goal was that I wanted to get my doctorate, so I was like focused on that. So not only was I teaching, I was putting myself back in academia and stuff like that as well. Because my i, I was teaching like two or three classes at Prairie View as well, but you know, majority of my job revolved around the marching man. Um, but I think a lot of that too, Quan, is the the type of student that comes to that university. You know what I'm saying? I'm not getting a lot of people at UConn that are from South Oak Cliff, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, these under underrepresented communities, you know, at a collegiate level. That's the first thing, like Severin said, there is a standard that's set at a university like ours. That's just different. I'll give you a prime example. When I was at Prairie View, the black foxes used to hate when I used to make them take the bonnets off <laughs> used to get off at <laughs> at rest stops and at restaurants, and they used to beg, like, "Why do we have to do this?" Oh God, yeah, I remember that. Um,
2: oh, not me. You never caught me. Again.
1: Right, but my thing was, ladies, we represent the black community right. when we going out the house looking like auntie Mama with these things on, Angel and y'all got Mama. right. That represents what we are as an institution, as a, as a people. At UConn don't have to do that because I don't, you cuss a student out at UConn, you can expect an email in your box the next day because those students know they resources and they know their rights. They take up for themselves. I ain't gonna say the institution, but I've seen a band director smack a student before. Like for, for playing too loud. I watched a band director smack a student before in a, at an HBCU. And I was appalled but this is a band director that gets a lot has a lot of clout in the HBCU community, so that student didn't even react, he just didn't react. I think our students have been conditioned to be treated that way, mm-hmm. and I think that for me at UConn, I knew that wasn't the case, I knew that I would that wouldn't be allowed, and I knew that that wasn't the standard that was at that Institute. So, to answer your question, Kwan, yes, I did absolutely feel that way, but I think that as a As a people, we have to understand that, like you said earlier, Juan, that's post-slave traumatic stress disorder. That thing is real, man. It's real. You know, teaching through intimidation, you know, teaching. It's a very old school way of teaching because these people don't don't know how to teach. Really. I mean, that's the other part of it. These people don't know how to teach. So they teach in the way that they were taught because they weren't taught fundamentals and pedagogy. They don't know how to make a concert B flat um, ring in tune. They don't know how to uh, to tune a major chord by bringing the third down, depending on what, or up, depending on if you're playing a major or minor scale. They were never taught that. So what they say is, "Play that damn note in tune." That's the teacher. (laughs) That's the teacher. The kids sitting there looking at them like, "I am," (laughs) and they don't know what how to fix it. So that's where I think that is that.
0: That, to answer your question, corn. That's what's up, bro. All right. Cool, cool. Well, if you're just joining us, welcome everybody to Talk That Talk, where we have unfiltered, unscripted, the uncomfortable conversation about music, music education, band culture, and HBCU band culture and more. Please make sure that when you come in, as soon as you come in, hit that like button. It don't take much to hit that like button. I see a number of folks in here. We got to get these likes up. I only see a couple of likes I want to I want the I want the likes to match the number of folks in here so get these likes up all right we moving on to the next topic and it's going to be the final topic it might be an uncomfortable topic and if you ain't ready for it I don't know you yeah okay anyway so here we go last week I purpose, purposefully made a statement about a young man who marches now at Alabama State who marched at jeff davis and he's the drum major i purposefully made that statement now i stand by the statement that i made but there was a reason why i did that Um, because we see this quite often and so when i say we see this quite often if you don't know who i'm talking about i'm talking about the young man justin uh who was the drum major at jeff davis uh who is now one of the drum majors at alabama state But when I say we see this all the time, even in Greek life, right? We see people who don't look like us, who aren't African American, but they come into a space that is affectionately quote unquote ours. And so one of the things that we see happening all the time is when that happens, we tend to try to give them like all of this praise, right? For doing it. Now. I'm gonna say I stand by Justin only because I I'm a drum major fan. I watch a bunch of drum majors. Like anybody who knows me, I love watching drum majors. So when I watch him as a drum major, like I said last week, he just gets it. There are a lot of people who haven't who, who have come into the space that to me, you know, were just doing it and they did it well. You know, lover, she did great, but Katie to me was just a girl on the dance team. You know, but a lot of people gave them, gave her a lot of love. You don't know who Katie is, and it is what it is. All right. But me, Rick, and (laughs) Sebra know who Katie is. All right. So the question on the floor is Do we boast different cultures for average work? Mm -hmm. Do we boast different cultures for average work?
3: Average work in our culture?
0: Yes. Average work in our culture. So when they come into our culture, we tend to glorify what they do, but it's literally just average. So do we boast different cultures for average work? Uh, dang, I was going to go with you too, Quan. I was going to go with you first, but you I guess you ran from it. Uh, Rick. Oh, Seabra, you going to go first? I saw you unmute.
4: I mean, I can't. I, the answer for me is no. Um, if you're saying we, as do I observe it, I would still say no. I don't think it's a cultural thing. I think it's a different thing. You know, I think about the honeybees. I think about anything that kind of goes. Oh, let's talk from, from
0: honeybees, man. Because I, I have be I,
4: something that's different than the norm. I get it. You boast it when it's
0: mediocre, yes. You, you brought up the honeybees. I got to put this on. I got to talk about this. Me, real quick, before you keep going, I am getting sick and tired of people trying to act like Heavy set people can't do normal people shit like i have a problem with that like okay so they got some extra meat on their bones but if people can do a split it don't extra meat don't stop you from doing the split now i also believe that they are put it out put out there to exploit heavyset people i don't think it's i don't really think it's they trying to act like they can dance because if that's the case then let them make the actual line i
4: think it's exploitation but anyway sorry about that see go ahead but yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's about I think that it's more so and I'm using the word we because I don't feel this way personally. But I think as a culture, yes, if it's different or, or goes against the grain for that particular time frame before it becomes normal, um, it can definitely be mediocre and it will receive a lot of praise just because it's different. I don't think it's cultural. I don't think it's race driven for sure. Like I said, the honeybees are, are a great example of that. Um, but just you doing something that is a little different and goes against the grain. Sometimes it doesn't have to be all that good in order for you to sell it. Okay. But I don't think that applies to Justin. I thought the boy was a dope drum major as far as looks. I don't know how he ran the band, but Thank the way you. he looked, the boy had
0: style. Thank you. That's That's all I was saying last week, but. Mario and Rick was like, ah, I don't know dog. All right. Anyway, uh <laughs> Kwon, do we boast different cultures for average work? Uh,
3: <laughs> this people ain't going to like this, but we boast, we boast any person out, any person or any other ethnicity outside of our culture that comes in period. It doesn't have to be good or bad. It's just period. One because throughout history, honestly, people of black people, we we're always welcoming because we know how it feels to be shunned, so we're always welcoming. So we don't want people to feel like us, so we welcome it. Now, when it comes to Justin in particular, Justin's a dope drum major, hands down. So we don't have to argue with that. I think, and honestly, if you when you see the interviews with Justin, he's very humble. And he really don't even want the attention. He's just trying to be a, a, a dope drum major, you know, slash trumpet player, whatever the case may be. That's about it. I think it's we boast him because so many times as black folks, we're so arrogant, we feel like, hey, can't nobody else do it. And so then when we see him, we'd be like, oh man, look at that white boy do that. Like, like look look at, come on, get it, Justin. You know, that's, you know, our our, our kind of aura or our vibe when it comes to that. But i mean honestly we we welcome everybody and then honestly sometimes then we get mad when they take it so it's kind of like 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 it's a it's a double-edged sword you know we're welcoming to everybody kind of like you know they take things and they take the credit for it then we welcome them in and then we don't protect it in ourselves so i mean we shoot ourselves in our own foot then we welcome and we welcome those other cultures to shoot us in the foot. And then we don't protect it, nor copyright it, you know, to begin with. And that's a whole different story about copywriting and, you know, music and different things like that. I mean, you know, from cadences and, and warm ups and everything like that. I mean, I, I, I think we do it to ourselves.
0: All right. Maya. Do we boast different cultures for average work?
2: I agree. <laughs> I mean, I knew. I, don't, I agree. Like, I'm not even sure what I can, what I can add to that. To be honest, is my answer yes? Aside from what you are, what you all have already said, I don't really know what I can add because, I mean, to me, like, it, it, you just laid it all out there. Now, if I think of something, I'll let you know. But right now, I'm not even sure what I can add.
3: I put like this, I'm I'm gonna add to it. So we're talking about Justin. So a lot of us on this on this call are Greek, right? How many times, like I think it was it was a video and this this to you, Rick. Y'all had a frat brother that was Caucasian that was hopping. That's a million views. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and so then the question comes, are you excited because is the white dude doing it or was it good?
0: Yeah, because as as a bro and, and you know, as an alpha, whenever we see a white bro out there training hard and, and, you know, it's like,
3: yeah. Yeah. Or is it because they're the minority in that sector?
2: Yes, I think it's that. Because, but I also think if we're just going to, I'm talking surely aesthetic, right? For me, it's a little bit different, right? Because as you stated, okay, sure, you could be out there doing this, that, and the third. I'm still gonna look at you, whether you black, white, whatever the case may be. If it ain't good, if the shit ain't good. I I just that's just how I feel. Um, but yes, we absolutely do we boast them? I don't know if it's boasting or more so giving a pass or if those are synonymous. Cause it's like, oh, look at them. In, 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 like we were saying, look at the monkey on this thing look, Whatever, they're doing something they're not Supposed to be doing and they're they're Doing it and keeping up or whatever The case may be. Is it average? Yes Is it uh, Entertainment I think it's entertainment. Maybe that's what it is It's like, oh, okay, well now we got somebody Else who's out here by themselves Whatever the case may be. Yes, we do Well, like Juan said, but also it's like Look at the shoes on the other foot We got somebody out here that's not Where they are supposed to be you know that they're the minority and they're you know meshing or you know, whatever
3: the i example, southern. How
0: many,
3: how many years southern real talk get the two or three big, you know, white boys and put them up? There? Is that the same thing?
2: Exploitation,
4: <laughs> absolutely, that's exploitation. And they weren't that good at dancing, but they got houses.
0: You feel me. Okay, Rick. Do we boast different cultures for average work? I feel like you—you've been kind of—he un, he is unloosing his belt now. Because all right, go ahead, bro.
1: <laughs> go ahead. Um. So, as a music historian, as a, a study of American history, this is a cycle of vicious misconceptions as people, American people. That is being perpetuated as, in my opinion. Band, band. We are making sometimes rude um, impersonations of one another. I'm gonna use, I wanna use just the examples that you all already given. When the honeybees go out there, there's a number of people sitting in the audience was like, wow, those women can dance. But majority of the people in the audience are laughing at them, not with them. To me, that's not a healthy thing. And we need to look at the band we're talking about, Alabama State. They're known for that type of stuff, exploitation of large women. That young brother, uh, Justin, he's talented. I I can't take that away from him. I've never heard him play trumpet, so I can't say that's the reason why they wanted him so badly. But I guarantee you him being a white dude that's a good drum major was part of it, so they can throw him out there in the front of and and just show him off to everybody. My issue is what Kwan just said. What it's kind of hard to say this, but in 2022, in March of 2022, I would have been an Omega for 20 years. When I came to Omega, I was 19 years old. I was over there lying to Sevran and them, telling them I wasn't pledged. But the whole time I was in that process as an undergraduate, 19 years old, I was being taught by my brothers that the traditions of what it meant to be an Omega, growing out of the struggle of being three undergraduates at a university that did not want them. because y'all's meth was already there. They said, go join that. We don't need that other stuff. So we're
0: eating when you got alpha. Yeah, whatever. But First and
1: that, that that was being pumped into us, our history as Black people, our history as as a fraternity that was built on friendship, not on you know academics or whatever. So if you don't share that experience, why does something like that appeal to you? You know, and I always I hate to say it this way, but I, it always comes off to me as being nosy. And it's the same thing, in my opinion, with the black fraternities, I mean, the um, music fraternities and sororities. They didn't want us when they founded these sororities and fraternities, but we were able to switch the the purpose of these organizations to meet the needs that we had as black people at black institutions. KK with a touch of old gold, specifically for, you know, the HBCU experience. So and if you don't, I remember when I I wore a KK size shirt with the old girl, you know, and they looking at me like, "Why you got that on there You know what I'm saying? I'm like, "It has a significance." Five mu alpha, eighteen ninety eight. How many? How many um of them you think was like, "Man, I can't believe some black truckers in here." And then it was even worse because in the hundred and what to 15 year whatever history of Farm you out there's been one person to ascend to an office as high as vice president or president. So I say all that to say, if we keep creating this, this environment where we're able to make fun of one another and appropriate each other's culture, it's gonna create this vicious cycle that keeps happening. I'm sorry, if I see that high school, Julian, we were at that band show. And they pulled all the fat dudes out and the drum major rode the dude like he was a horse and they played Pony by Genuine. You remember that, Julian? And me and you were looking at each other like, how low can we go as a people where that we'll allow our young people to come because they're large to get on the ground and allow another grown man to ride him like he a damn boy. The problem is these band directors have no damn integrity. That's the problem. They do anything for you. Chuck and Jive balls to get the clap. That's what we are. That's where we are as people. That we'll, we'll just degrade our people and degrade our program just to get a clap. You know what gets a clap from me when I hear a band do a crescendo together with no stickouts? That's what gets, gets me off my feet. Or if I see dancers dancing with technique instead of going out here humping the whole day.
0: Giving you the like, coochie thrust, but too, uh,
1: like, like I just, I just, I want my people to want better for themselves. This ain't about Justin. This is about what's right and what's wrong. I want him to have the best experience. Hopefully, he got into school because he's a good trumpet player. If that's the instrument, I don't know what instrument he plays, because his music education is not going to be how how much he can thrust and spin a baton. It's going to be how he can teach somebody's student. Would you want your child to be in his band program? So I hope that in in the grand scheme of, you know, his music education and anybody that may not come to an HBCU as a black person, understand the history and the lineage of these schools that you go to and respect it as such, but also go there to get a quality education, which at the end of the day is the most important thing. I went to Jackson because because it was affordable and I got a quality education, not because I wanted to be J5, you know, or whatever. Like, we got to get our damn priorities together. And I'm not saying that from, a you know, people call me bougie. I'm not bougie, man. I just have high expectations for my people. And it's time for us as a people to expect higher and better from one another. So that's my answer, bro. It ain't got nothing to do with him being white. It has everything to do with the fact that they're exploiting that kid just because he can do something that everybody can go, look, look at the little white boy do what we do. And that's ridiculous. So that's that's my position on that. Bro.
0: But everything, in my opinion, that you just said goes back to the original question of how we set the bar too low. It, it circles all the way back around to that.
1: Well, my answer to that was already yes.
0: Sir. I gave yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you you, you defended <laughs> your-
1: like, bro. Look at it. Let me just say this, you Look at it. I always tell this story. You know what story I'm about to tell? Sebring called me, man, in 2002 when you got to Norfolk State. I was on the road with the cadets. I was marching the cadets that summer. I just so happened to call home with c to check in on the trumpet section. After all that that happened, where I didn't get section leader. My job was to support my friend because Sebron was my friend first before he was my section. Leader. So I called home and I was like, see, man, how everything going? First thing out of Sebron Miles, man, man, sound good. But we got this freshman, bro. This dude is articulating on double E's. And I'm like, man, you lying. He was like, bro, this dude is incredible. So that relationship, I had an expectation of you, Julian, before I even knew who the heck you was. And they were telling you about, we got this cute dude and all that, whatever. But there was an ex- expectation that was established. Seabra said, if you're going to be in the Dizzy you you're going to know your damn music. We ain't going to whip your ass. You're going to know your damn music. You're going to march your tail off on the field. And you're going to be a great member of this band. You're going to advance the Dizzy Axe You're going to be a part of the family. That was the expectation. We ain't never haze, y'all. Hazing for us, was holding them damn wings up while you was playing the music. That was our hazing. So Sebron, Sebron hit me a few times. right. <laughs> see, I ain't that. never
4: put my hands on you,
1: boy. Stephen <laughs> established what the standard was. And if you were in that section, you could only meet that standard. There was no other option. And we will ostracize you if you did not meet that standard. What, what schools do you see that now? Most of these kids think in order to have that same level of expectation, you got to beat the hell out of them. I never got touched to be in college. I remember people used to make fun of us when that ESPN thing came out. You the safe haven, babe. We're the safe haven of band. Don't nope. make fun of us, but how many can outplay us? I'll wait. We used to beg to see Southern when we was down in there in 03, They was over there hating on the sideline, and we turned right towards them and played that uh, turn on the action, and won't no hating after that. Like, 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 man, these bands need to step their game up, man. Stop stop living off the path. Shots fired. Shots fired. That's it, bro. Stop treating our people like we're fucking coons, because we're not. Have higher expectations for your people, man. Treat your people better. I'm done, man. I'm sorry. All
0: right. Um, I would ask if anybody got any closing remarks on that topic, but... uh. I guess he just did a mic drop on all of us. So
2: uh,
0: (laughs) if you're you're just tuning in, man, welcome everybody to Talk That Talk, where we have unscripted, as you can see, unfiltered, as you can see, and sometimes (laughs) uncomfortable conversations about music education, band, HBCU band culture, and more. Please make sure that you subscribe to the channel, man. As I always say, we're gonna make sure that we upload more and more content. There's a lot more content coming. A lot more things that we have in mind. Uh, as you are in here, please make sure that you smash that like button. Let's get these likes up. Let's get the likes up. All right. Remember, it don't take much to click a like button. All right. Also, if you uh, want to get in on any of the topics, if you want to go back and forth with us very quickly, uh, I made sure that I put the link inside of the chat just to make sure. Just make sure that the cameras are on all right uh before we do anything else we were supposed to do it at the head of the show but i didn't uh get a chance to put it up there uh rick do you want to talk about this for a second or there we
1: go yeah man so there are so many um hbcu style band programs at the high school level that you know, that want to be better and want to do great things. So here's a perfect opportunity. Uh, U.S. Bands is partnering with Blue Devils Entertainment um, to create like a nationwide uh, uh, band circuit. And in particular, they are forming a new circuit that caters to show style and traditional style bands. So basically, this will be treated just like the core style competition you would go to or BOA you will have a panel of judges that will actually give you feedback, not say, oh, you better just because you better. They're actually giving you feedback and give you uh, information that will help make your band better. It's happening October 30th at Prairie View A&M. They have partnered with Prairie View and m Thank you to Dr. Zachary. Uh, it's a vision we had uh, when we were there and it's finally coming true. So um, if you're a band director in the Houston, Louisiana, Mississippi area, and you actually want to get some quality adjudication and and um, and um, just get some people to see your bands that are not just going to um, give you a runaround or treat you different because you're a show style band. Then please consider uh, participate, Peyton. We're still looking for bands to uh, participate as well. So uh, October, excuse me, October 30th uh, at Prairie View A&M. Please come out and uh, let's have a good time and see some good bands.
3: Say, Rick, can uh, other bands come and just sit and watch? or is yeah. It
1: yeah, no, no. It's it's open to the public, man. You can buy tickets. If you want to do like a, a, a Situation where I'm sure there'll be some type of group rate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, bring your bands. Um, PV is performing at the end. So if you want to get a nice college band experience, this is a perfect opportunity to do so. Um, and I, I think it's just huge for our community, man, because now we're saying if you're a show style band you don't have to change your style at the end of the year to be adjudicated by some people that have no experience in your culture and put you down to these other bands because they have no idea what you do now we're saying you get the same quality of adjudication from people that come from the same community that you do so it's going to be a big thing and uh, i hope a lot of bands decide to participate all
5: right
0: uh we got a guest coming in uh, welcome, Walt. Oh,
5: Lord. Oh, <laughs> look, hang the phone
0: up. <laughs> y'all like
1: three oh, of these monkeys in the cell Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, oh, my God, right there, Walter. What's up, my brother? What's up, y'all? Good uh, to see you, everybody. Same, man. Man.
0: Oh, so go ahead. Go ahead. What I was going to say, what's your thoughts on any of the topics?
5: Yeah, no, I was just, uh, I put it in the comments, but going back to what Rick said, I think it's on the band directors too. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like like I said, man, Prof Ed and even when Doc got there, some of the stuff, (laughs) and Maya knows this, some of the stuff that we tried to put on the field, they was like, nah, (laughs) we we not about to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like we we got a brand, uh, we got a show, you know, style that we are used to and that, uh, you know, our university is used to putting on, and so they was like, "Nah, we're not going to do that. So it was that that's what I was saying, like the whole, you know, fat people to the front for the band dance and everything. Now, nah, we weren't doing none of that. Like it was if we was going to get house, it was going to be because the show was good, not because we had a gimmick. You know what I'm saying? And kudos but- to you
1: Walter, man, I got to put it out there, man. You know, you already know how I feel about you, man, but I'm going to put it out there for the world. So when we arrived, when Julie and I and Doc, the whole staff arrived at you got
0: to, to tell the truth, truth about,
2: I'm about to it. Tell, I mean, yes. This is my, this is my <laughs> boy right here. Uh, he this came he to right
0: my school last year, and I told him about himself. Two <laughs> but this, go mother, ahead.
1: this motherfucker down here in the bottom left-hand corner of my screen <laughs> was one of the biggest headaches that we had at that Bruh. university, but but became one of my best friends out of that whole band. And Walter is one of those people, from my experience as his as, as band director, his last year in the band, he's one of those people that he going to tell you how it is regardless. you either going gonna to like it or you're not, but he's going to shoot straight with you. But at the end, that brother loved Prairie View. We yeah. ain't had to say, Walter, take off that damn Southern shirt at a Prairie View band rehearsal. We ain't had to say, love your band and have appreciation for your band. And in my opinion, it's people like Walter and, a, and Maya and a few other people that really made it possible for us to mold the band in our own image, and they fought that stuff all the way, man. We talking about playing with clarity and and not playing as loud as humanly possible. They're like, "What?" I remember, I,
0: I, I can tell you uh, uh, the first time I realized who Walter was when we were going over the fucking. I think it was uh it was um uh, E.T. and I was trying to put the articulation into it, and at the at the first rehearsal we had, and Walter was looking like. <laughs> they, were, hey, they were used to coming out just blowing it just just the way it was And when we started putting out articulation in that hey, they was looking at us crazy but you're absolutely right about Walter man I, I, I told him the same thing when he came to see me last year
1: right, I mean I think Walter man and you know look at the fruits of the lay I'm sure you know there's things that they do that you know alumni I still don't like but the, the point of the matter is <laughs> they created a band program that was in the likeness of the director that they have He's not Prof Ed, he's not Gordon, he's not me, he's not nobody, he's him. And I think the product that they put out every year is a quality product that, you know, just like any other band could be better, but having alumni like you that actually cared about the program helped us instill um, pride in being a member of the Storm rather than idolizing other bands all the time. I mean, we all like clips from other bands, but, right, you know, it's people like you, brother, that made that job both hard but also rewarding man so i appreciate that
5: man and and, and going, going to what you're saying there like i think that's a lot of the bad and i'm far removed from the band culture now but you know, you know just from the outside looking in that's the issue that i see with the band culture right now it's like now everybody wants to be someone else right? instead of staying true to you know what your band was traditionally i mean why did you come to this band if you didn't want to be a part of the tradition that this band was built upon you know what i'm saying and that that's what for me you know every time i see pv these days like i don't i don't have a bad thing to say you know what i'm saying like we marched in the era that we marched in. And it was what it was we had a great time um that's what it was, you know what I'm saying? And and I hate sometimes and I'ma dive into PV land for a minute. Sometimes I hate when I hear you know people that's a little older than Maya and myself and Quan talk about their heydays like they was just amazing because half of the motherfuckers could never it was trash. <laughs> it was strange, hey,
1: dude, what we always tell him please show me that clip you talk about where
5: that yeah yeah and and you know what i'm saying we and i i think all three of us that marched in that era we all have you know heyday clips that we can pull up or, or great you know great times but that's what it was you know things have to evolve things have to change nothing can stay the same you're gonna end up like you know one of these bands that completely fall off yeah. so I mean, and the
1: other part of it too walter was like Seaver was talking about earlier the family component yeah I, I would yell and scream i would do all that even as a new dude but y'all know i wrote for y'all
5: yeah and, for sure and,
1: and like i mean when i passed that because y'all kept saying i mean we need some stuff that rides so i wrote that uh what was the name that Johnny Gill song? Oh, yeah, that rub you the right way. And like, that was the jam. Like, it was like that type of thing. Like, you gotta. One thing I'll say about the sweat, bro. If you're not from the sweat, you gotta learn how to be in the sweat, bro. Because it's a, it's a completely different experience. Yeah. Than I had
5: in Norfolk. And it is it, that that family thing is a thing. And y'all caught me actually. I came from the gym, but I'm wearing my section shirt that we did. Um, you know a couple of years ago and that's that's honestly if i can say anything um and like i said outside looking in i'm so far removed from the band world but if i can say anything on the generation now i don't see the family aspect of it and that could just be because i'm so far removed but you know like my my section just for instance we Like we literally have a running chat that we have from like everybody from like 98 to everybody from like 2016. And we still talk like we still link up for games like we still, you know, even in regular life, like we check on each other and stuff. And I just I don't see that happening nowadays. Because yeah, I don't
1: know what the culture is now, man. I know, you know, they have a – the thing about it now, too, y'all, is that COVID has really changed how a lot of these bands operate. I can only speak for my band. Severn, and I'm sure you can do for uh, Norfolk. Bro. Bro, bro, we don't allow alumni around our band at all. We operate in a bubble. So if you're not in our everyday bubble, we unfortunately we can't let those people around the band because we don't want to have a situation where they – at my school, bro, if we get cases, they shutting it down. And then PV, I saw PV had a young man die not too long ago. Like we gotta, we just gotta be real careful with how, you know, a lot of these bands. So like maybe the family, I don't know, but I'm sure that has something to do with it, man. Yeah. Any other thoughts, Walter? Before you
0: you tip on out.
5: That's it, man. I just wanted to say, hey, I love what y'all doing, man. I'ma keep tuning in. Most definitely. Appreciate. Well, you
1: know I'ma keep talking that
5: shit too. <laughs> hey, yeah, you, hey, you know, now you know I talk. I can talk with the best of them for sure. Absolutely.
1: Get you back in here,
5: man. <laughs> All right, bro. I appreciate y'all. Yeah.
1: Boo boo kitty, you tired? <laughs> she ain't me, y'all. She ain't annoy you. Anyway, wow. uh <laughs> but anyway, man.
0: Let's get ready to go ahead and get on out of here, anyway. Man, it was a, a great show. Any final thoughts for the culture? Uh, let's go around the room as we always do, Kwan.
3: Uh, I mean, hey, just keep growing, keep learning, man. Keep pushing the culture and keep asking questions, dog. Like, for real, keep asking questions. And Rick, answer my text message, dog, just because of my alpha dog. Corn,
1: like, you did I text me, dog. Don't he even try it.
0: Right. I, I, he don't ask the text messages that quick. No, it's good.
1: <laughs> and I already told you, I, I know what you told. I already told you I would do it. So you being funny. No, no, no. no I'm not talking about
0: that. I'm talking about just period. I'll just be like, hey. He's
3: following
1: me not- text
0: messages. I'm telling you.
1: I am, dog. But I'd be hitting you back.
0: <laughs> I'm you his know? best friend. I've you known know. this dude since I was 18. He don't text me back either like that. Same. I send him a text, and then it'll take him two days, and then and then I'll call him, and i will be like, "Yo, you get my text? No, nah, I ain't get your no text." No, I sent you <laughs> hey, a text I'm,
3: I'm gonna a say this, and I'm out.
1: No, I'm a full time professional. Give me a chance. Uh, it's
3: it's it's cool to be southern. Is one of my favorite songs by Prairie View. i read talk the last past year, couple years. I'm happy they brought it back. We're talking. Are
1: they playing it again? Yeah, they are.
3: Yeah,
0: they play. All right. now yeah. Uh, hold up. Let me do it right good ma boo <laughs> boo kitty any final thoughts Maya?
2: <laughs> well i mean just saying as always what we're doing here is doing exactly what it's supposed to do we have more people coming the conversations are getting deeper um a little bit more you know explicit but that means it's a little bit more real um so you just got to keep doing what doing want again put your money where your mouth is support where you can whether it's traveling whether it's whatever the case may be being a part of the alumni associations all of that we just got to do what we have to do to be able to push the culture forward all
0: right severn any final thoughts i guess our guest panelists for today appreciate uh, you coming in by the way bro
4: no problem no problem at all uh not really you know don't drink the kool-aid I always know you can get better sometimes we drink the kool-aid and we think we have arrived i don't think that's a place i don't think there's a destination so keep moving
5: all
1: right, Rick. So, uh, last week I said I'm gonna say it again, man. I'm going home, actually, driving home tomorrow, man. But I want to say, rest in peace to my cousin again, man. Uh, biggest, biggest influence in my life at the beginning, as far as like you know, my cousin taught me learned how to fight, all that stuff, man. He was my guy, man. And he passed way too soon, 44 years old. So I want to say first, rest in peace to my cousin Lou, man. We coming home and celebrate you tomorrow. Uh that was my guy. I love you, bro. So uh, start there. Uh, secondly, um, I want to thank my man Sebron for coming in tonight and all the panelists, man. Y'all really make this thing worthwhile. I don't think we give each other enough credit, you know, being in here after long days at work, <laughs> you know. So kudos to y'all. Sebron, man, I, you know, i was talking to Julian, man. We want to have you on for another show just to reminisce on some of them old days, bro. They old this, too. There's They're some real. stories there, man. But we're, we're
0: um, together, some thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. So Thanks, kudos so to you, man. Me. I'm here. um So as I always do, support black, like Mario say. My Mario. <laughs> Maya said support black business, support black everything, because the only way we're gonna make each other better is to put our money behind the things that we know will improve our community. We can't expect people to give us anything. So I am a member of the Norfolk State Alumni Association. I will continue to be uh forever. I need to start donating to the band now individually on top of that. So um kudos to what y'all doing at Norfolk. I love it. Uh and then finally, y'all, um, let's treat black people better. We look at the news. We see one of us get killed by a cop or something like that. And the first thing we want to do is go out in the street and protest. And then five minutes later, we forget. If we treat each other better, then we will expect for other people to have that same treatment of us and they will see it and in turn do it, in my opinion. So treat black people better if you say you love your people. And that includes with these bands and all these other things, man. Let's just be better to one another. So that's it. All
0: right. And finally, a couple of things that I want to just go ahead and say. First thing, please make sure that you subscribe to the channel. Uh, You know, all of these videos are up. This live is going to be up. It's going to stay up for a while. Uh, I'm going to continue to upload videos as the week goes by. I missed a couple of days, but don't worry. We're going to be back on that. Uh, Once again, we got a whole bunch of things coming down the pipeline. Uh, Earlier, I saw Bailey in here. Uh, I don't I don't know if he's still in here, but a big shout out to you, Bailey. Uh, We still want to continue to help support his program uh, as he's trying to uh, get uh, funding for his instruments and things of that nature. So uh, please, please, please let's help to support that program as well. Uh, Also, please make sure if you're inside of this uh, this live right now share this go ahead and share it put it out to people man we want to get as many people in on this conversation as possible i uh, also want to give a big shout out to Cap and tall beta sigma i feel like it is it, we got to do that every single you know every now and then man because you know it, it it's the band programs and and we support those band programs so i want to give a big shout out to kappa, kappa and tall beta sigma and because we are in here right now to the symphonians of the world uh we want to make sure we do that as well so Uh, showing love to everybody. This has been a great show. I appreciate everybody who stuck with us, everybody who who hung with us, uh, gave all the comments in the world. I want to appreciate Walter for coming in and and, and chatting it up with us. All right. Thank you for tuning in to Talk That Talk. Find us on social media outlets and YouTube at Real Talk That Talk. Talk That Talk is a brand of the Passion Is Network. You can contact Passion Is at passionis1919 at gmail.com. If you would like to contact the panel of Talk That Talk, email us at realtalkthattalk at gmail.com.